Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. All right, you guys go ahead and have a seat. Good morning. Good morning. How are we doing? Good. Good? I hope you're excited. If you're not, you should be, um, because we've just got such an encouraging time of worship uh, ahead of us. This morning, I want to point our attention to a story in John chapter 4. And maybe it's a story you're familiar with, or maybe, maybe not. But in this story... Uh, Jesus is traveling with his disciples, and they're, they're going through um, Samaria. And on their way through, they stop outside of this town, and they decide to go get something to eat. The disciples do. Jesus says, you guys head on in town. I'll hang out here. And he sits down at a well. And it's middle of the day. It's noon. And while the disciples are gone, disciples are gone this woman comes out from the town, and she sits down, and she begins to chat with Jesus. Jesus starts this conversation with her, and Jesus um, begins to shift the conversation over into spiritual things, and he's telling her, hey, I've got water that's so much better than this well water. I've got water that if you drink of it, it's going to become this river of living water inside of you, and she's like, I'll take that. You know, that sounds good, and then he says, yeah, go tell your husband Invite him, bring him out here. She goes, uh, oh, well, I have no husband. And he says, you're right in saying you have no husband. He says, you've had five husbands, and the guy you're living with now is not your husband. And she immediately changes the subject. She's like, uh, let's talk about worship. And she changes the subject. And then Jesus says something that, that is profound. He says, the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. The Father is seeking worshipers, true worshipers. And so then we find out how He does this? How does he? How does he find? How does he seek out true worshipers? John Piper said, "Missions exist because worship doesn't. We go to new places and new peoples and new towns, new new nations, because worship isn't happening there. True worship. How do how do people who did not worship Jesus become worshipers of Jesus? Well." Then the woman says to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. He says, I'm the Messiah. And here's what she does in response. It says, so the woman left her water jar, went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. So the story goes, 
on. And the disciples return. And the disciples are like, Jesus, we brought you back some food. He's like, guys, I've got food you don't know anything about. And about that time, they look out and they see this entire town making its way. Masses of people making their way out to come meet Jesus. And here is what we read. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. Her testimony was this. He told me all that I ever did. Is that complex or profound or deep? Was that a thorough explanation of the gospel? No, she didn't. She says, she says, could this be the Messiah? She wasn't even convinced yet herself. And yet her simple testimony, this simple testimony from a person whose life was broken, was used by God to lead many to come to know him. Listen to what it goes on to say. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Guys, this is the power of personal testimony. Is that our personal testimony, this is how God is working in my life, can lead someone to encounter Jesus himself and turn their life upside down. Our simple testimony. And today, that's what this is all about. So today what you're going to hear is you're going to hear the testimonies of several people in this church, the ways that God is, is moving in their lives and using them and has worked. And we just want to put this on display so, we, so that you can say, wow, man, God is at work. He's, he's at work in so many different lives in so many different ways. And that is so powerful. That's so encouraging. And just maybe, just maybe you're here today and you're a seeker. You're, you're seeking what is Jesus all about. And our prayer is that these testimonies that you're going to hear would be just like the testimony of the woman that, at the well that led all these people to have a real encounter with Jesus and their lives be changed. And so pray with me as we move into testimonies. We're going to worship with one more song. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to come together and hear the stories of people's lives that you are working in. And Lord, maybe there are some here this morning who would say, I, 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 need, I need some encouragement. I'm beat down, and I have very little faith right now. Lord, Would you breathe faith into that person's heart through these stories? Holy Spirit, would you just move and work? Would you you grab a hold of our feeble tongues and, and use our feeble mouths and speak truth into lives and breathe faith into your people? God, we are bombarded by fear and anxiety and doubt and sin, and the devil. 
And we have gathered, your people have gathered to minister to one another. And that is an awesome thing. And I'm excited. And Lord, I pray that you would be glorified. I pray that Jesus would be lifted high in this place, that his name would be exalted, that he would be magnified by every story told, every testimony given. We ask it in Jesus' great, powerful, awesome name. Amen. Good morning. It's a pleasure to share again. My name is Frank Bachelis. I don't think I introduced myself the first time. My name is Frank Bachelis. I've been in the area for 35 years. I've uh, been a Christian for almost 40. Uh, it's great to be here in the church this morning to share. And even at my age, okay, God is still working in me, challenging me. And I just want to <clears throat> share something that God's been doing in my life the last couple of years. Um, and <clears throat> it's about change. And I'm a guy that doesn't like change. Um, and it started, <laughs> it started when I moved from Massachusetts to New, Hamp to New Hampshire when I was eight years old, right in the middle of the school year, by the way. I cried for a, for a month. I missed my best friend in Massachusetts, and then my mom just let it put up with it for a little while. And then she said, okay, that's enough. Time to move on. Ended up being a great move for my parents. Um, and uh, that's kind of where I got my name from my uncle, Frank the Crank. <laughs> um, still do a little bit of whining once in a while. Uh, anyways, but what I like to do is to share how I made the journey from a church that I had been involved in here in the Burlington area for 30 years and ended up here in New King. Um, Great church to be in, and we had so many wonderful things happen. Our, our children grew up in that church, following the Lord still. Lots of good programs, lots of good things that happened, lots of good ministries, um, just very exciting times. Um, in the last couple of years, uh, there's been a leadership change, um, but also there's been a change in me. I didn't, maybe I didn't emphasize that the first service, but um, still kind of active in the church, um, doing things, but not as proactive maybe as God wants me to, wanted me to be. Um, and <clears throat> maybe getting a little comfortable. Uh, I went through a time where there was a lot of kind of not, not burnout, but wear out. So I had a season of rest and uh, I, was feeling, I was feeling okay. I was feeling rested, but I was feeling comfortable, maybe a little bit too comfortable. And God's telling me, um, there's no retirement, Frank, in the kingdom of God. You gotta keep working. And uh, at the same time, my wife was struggling with things that are going on, and, and, and she was kind of urging me, maybe it's time for a change. Maybe it's time to make a move. So many wonderful people at the church that we love and have done things over the years with our children and everything like that, and it's very difficult. And I, again, I don't like change. Um, but God was working in me, and uh, I, re I keep remembering uh, what our first pastor that we, when we attended there, said. Uh, he came for a visit after about 10 years after he left. He uh, <clears throat> was talking about uh, John chapter 3, uh, talking to Nicodemus and about, you know, what it really means to be born again and, and coming into the kingdom for salvation. And he talked about that when people come around to hear Jesus, there are four types of people. Um, there are spectators who are kind of interested in what, they, what he has to say. Uh, but on the sidelines, there's seekers 
that or maybe go to the next level and see that Christ really has something to offer and and maybe they're on the edge of salvation but they're kind of on the fence then you've got followers who are who are, who have made that commitment to follow Christ and and are believers but you don't see a lot of fruit in their life there's some fruit but not a lot and then the next level is kingdom builders and um what he said was that kingdom builders are, are, are followers of Christ that really partner with, with Christ into building his kingdom, are, are doing something substantial for the kingdom, for the love of God. Uh, not under, under their own power, but under Christ's power. <clears throat> and then he said this, he paused and he said, if you're not a kingdom builder, you're useless. And that really hit home with a lot of people because they had, he had a lot of respect in that church. And nobody, nobody was uh, criticizing him for saying that. So I said, okay, Lord, <laughs> I don't want to be useless. Um, so I said, maybe it's time for a change. So I started looking down the websites uh, for the churches around here, and, and New King was just was the only choice, I thought, uh, to visit. And, the next, the, and, I, and I said, okay, well, next time we have an opportunity to go, we'll go. We still had commitments at the church, and we weren't done there yet. So they uh, were doing a renovation of the church uh, for about six weeks. They closed the church for six weeks, so that gave us the opportunity to visit. Uh, but the next day after I had looked at the website, I went to work, and my good friend Eric Carter was there. I said, Eric, you heard of this church, New King? He goes, yeah, Frankie, we've been going there for a month. Come on. <laughs> you know how he is. Um, I said, okay, I'll come visit. So... After a few after a few sermons, uh, I was really I was like, wow, this place is really alive. I see a lot of people, God working in a lot of people here. This is fantastic, but I'm still hesitant. Okay, I'm still resistant. You know, I, I don't like change, and I said, oh, this is so hard, being in a place for 30 years, and and I just I don't know, you know, and uh, the pews are more comfortable where I am over there, and this place is really small, and you know, I started saying stuff like that. That didn't last long. Uh, then there was a series that started on experiencing God. And I'm going, wow, boy, I haven't heard that in a long time. It's experiencing God. We did that in a small group. Um, I didn't really get a lot out of it, you know. So I said, all right, I, I got to open mine. I'll, I'll look into it. I'll, I'll, I'll listen. And wow. <laughs> ben gets up there, and he starts saying all this stuff. And then it's right out of the experiencing God. Some of it, maybe it's from him too. I don't know. But he started saying stuff like this. Is God inviting you to join him in something? In order to, to go with God, you can't stay where you are. Going with God is far greater than staying where you are. Okay? You don't get to go where you're going unless you leave where you have been. Okay, God. I get it. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, I was just totally blown away after that service. You know, it was just crazy. And I'm like, okay. And I, that's where the, the whole fear of change kind of dissipated. And I say, okay, God, I'm ready. And so we finished our commitments at the other church, and then as of January uh, last year, we decided to come here. <clears throat> and since then, I'm being, I've been challenged by the staff here, starting with Ben and then Cliff, Michael, Aaron, and still being challenged. And that's, I think that's what we need. He needs to, to stay sharp. As Christians, we need to keep going. And uh, going back to saying that there's no retirement 
in, in the life of a Christian. And the other thing is, I'm a runner, I like the running metaphors, and it's not a sprint, okay? It's not a 10K, it's a marathon. And I run a marathon once, uh, the first Billington Marathon. That's how old I am, okay? <laughs> a couple of scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. But, so I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating in the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I, may, I myself may dis, be disqualified, or as Pastor Coffey says, useless. The other scripture is in Hebrews 12. After we have all these examples of great faith and action in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews says this, <clears throat> Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Yeah, in the Christian life, sometimes you feel tired, right? And you can't go on. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Then he talks about discipline from uh, earthly fathers. He talks about discipline from the Lord. And it says in verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I feel like the Lord disciplined me a bit in this change that I have. And then it says in verse 12, Therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. So to me, that was a real encouragement to... Keep running the race. There's no retirement. And I'm just so encouraged to be here in this church. Thank you. Hello. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Hannah. Um, and I'd like to share today about how God has been extremely faithful to me, especially when I'm not always faithful. Um, so a couple weeks or a month ago, um, I just got into work, and I work at a restaurant up in St. Albans, and um, my family, all, I'm from Michigan, so all my family's in Michigan, and I get a text from my mom that my dad had just fallen off our roof at our house, and he fell off the top rung of the ladder, onto our porch steps, onto his head. And, um, like, I just got to work. So I was, like, just instantly just demoralized. And I served tables, so I knew I still had to do my job. And there was no way I could get home, because with everything with COVID, I was just, like, stuck. And this was, like, one of my greatest fears, just easily, like, and I had to face it, like, going into a job where I'd have to, like, talk to people all night long. And so, um... I like went into the bathroom and I just like I had to take a minute and just cry out to God and just and then I came out and 
I just, my focus was to think about absolutely nothing because I knew that like the second I thought about it, I wasn't going to be able to make it. And um, so I'm just focusing on absolutely nothing. And I had this one table that was being so kind to me. They were joking with me. And um, the one thing that really stood out to me, though, is before their meal, they prayed. And you don't really see that very often. So I was like, my heart was really drawn to them. And I was like, I need them really bad because I didn't have any of my church community around me at this time. Um, and so, like, my, I just kept, like, I kept getting, like, nudged towards them. And I was like, okay. And then I, I decided I was going to ask them to pray for me. So they're cashing out their table. I'm cashing out their table. And I asked them, I was like, can you guys, like, do a favor for me? And they're like, yeah, of course. I was like, I noticed you prayed. And could you pray for me? And I told them about my situation, how my dad had just fallen off a roof. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And they prayed for me, like, right then. And it was so encouraging just because like, I feel that God was near to my situation. And, like, he was, like, paying attention and, like, caring for me. And I was still, like, so burdened in my heart, though. And I was like, God, like, please take this burden. And I was just freaking out because I was just like, I had to, I came with the term, like, my dad wasn't going to make it and I wasn't be able to get home. And I was like, couldn't think about it. I just still, like, I was glad that God did that for me, but I still was just like, I can't think about this. And I'd push it out of my head. And then I had this other late, this nice little lady that came in a couple of nights prior, and she was ordering food to go. And um, she was having a hard time ordering her food. And I knew what she, what she ordered, so I went over and I was helping. And she told me she was ordering because she was going home on the plane. She was leaving the next day to fly out, and she wanted to take some food with her on the plane. And um, I was like, oh, well, I hope you had a really good vacation. And she explained to me that it actually wasn't really a vacation vacation, that she had terminal um, cancer. There was no cure. And that she was there to, like, spend time with her friend in between chemo treatments. And so I was like, wow. Like, so then, like, my heart was, like, even more burdened. And so I was, like, emboldened by, in faith by the table that just prayed for me right then. And it helped me. So I was like, can I pray for you right now? And she said, yeah. So I prayed for her. And... Um, after I prayed, and I, like, asked God for healing, and that just she would trust him, and just, like, to strengthen her, and then after I got done praying, she turns to me, and she, like, I didn't know if she was a believer, and she, she was, and she turns to me, and she's like, I've come to the terms with the fact that if God doesn't heal me, that I still trust him, and I trust him with where I'm going in my situation, and, like, it just shocked me in that moment, because I was like, out of all the things, like, I'm not trusting God with the end of the situation, because I want to trust God if he'll give me the answer I want, but I was like, I don't want, I don't know if I can trust him if it's a no. And it was just really hard. And I, I came to terms in that moment. I was like, I have to trust God with the ending to like whatever I find out about my dad. And when I did, like I had this peace and it just like rested on me. And I was just like so comforted. And I like went forward from that. It was so sweet. And, um, so um, I went for it, and I just had so much more confidence in what God was doing. And my, like, coworkers noticed a change because they were in the back when I got the texts, and they were all like, oh, I'm sorry. But, like, I didn't have anybody praying for me. And um, it was just, like, a testimony of God's faithfulness to be there for me when I needed it and then also to show me that I could trust him regardless of what an outcome would be. And how important that is, because God's best is my best, regardless of if I see it in that light or not. And um, my dad was at the hospital for four hours, and turns out he just had uh, like a cracked rib, maybe bruised, and he was completely fine. So 
it was great. It had a great ending. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, praise the Lord. Hey guys, uh, my name is Gabe Love. I'm really excited to be here and to talk to you guys today because I wasn't supposed to be able to. Um, I work in a restaurant and hours are strict and I happen to get them off today. And so I really hope that somebody's able to receive what I have to share today. So um, I'm going to share a little bit about how the Lord's been working in my time uh, or in my life uh, during this time of COVID. Um, and I'd just like to say how awesome that is just because uh, I think a lot of people are suffering during this time of COVID and, and generally these can be considered as a uh, this can be considered as a bad circumstance, but the Lord is still moving during this time of, of struggle for many people, and and really is uh, I think it was a sort of a timeout for me <laughs> a little bit to just kind of allow me to sit and think about where my life is at, and the Lord kind of revealed a lot to me in this time. So um, anyway, uh, prior to COVID, I was struggling with a lot of uh, sin in my life. There were uh, substances I was abusing, people I was getting involved with that were uh, getting me involved with assorted crime. And um, so through actually the church, uh, a pastor pulled me out of, of, of uh, well, I'd reached out to him because I was struggling. Uh, and he quickly started to mentor me and, uh, and guide me in the ways that I needed to be. And uh, that completely changed my life. It can, uh, completely flipped my world upside down. And so obviously when you encounter God in such a real, genuine way, there's this intimacy that happens. And I think for a while, uh, I was obsessed with the Lord. And um, over time, I feel like as myself, as, a, as a still a broken person, was starting to see despite how much I changed, there were still areas that I, I needed growth in, and that was discouraging for me. And I found that um, I, wasn't, I was no longer pursuing God in the ways that I needed to be pursuing. And sure enough, God again provided me with people and community to set me back on the right path. Um, Aaron from New King Church has been really helpful and all that. Um, and uh, so, so in, that, in this kind of new pursuit, I've learned... Uh, well, I first had to learn exactly what pursuing the Lord looks like. Um, and so I've started to get involved with prayer a little bit more. That's an excellent way to get intimate with God. Um, doing that daily is awesome. Also committing scripture to memory has also been huge. So I've been trying to uh, commit myself to those things more daily. And I will say the days that that isn't happening I can tell are, are, are way, way worse than days I do commit myself to those things. Um, it's, uh, it, uh, when those things aren't happening, my day is just a train wreck with doing school full time and working in a place that you know, doesn't have the greatest environment. Those things are so critical. And uh, I encourage each of you to, to try and pursue those things daily because uh, they, are, they are complete life changers, and you hear about it so much, and sometimes it's hard to do. Sometimes in the morning, I don't want to wake up and, and, and spend time in prayer 
or spend time memorizing things. But once you do it, it's, it's, it's actually what I want to do the most is what I find every single time. It's just for whatever reason, getting to like doing it, it's just tough. So uh, I encourage you guys to be pursuing those things, to be pursuing Christ. And um, uh, I think that's, uh, um, well, I, I would like to say it is hard. I actually, I'm recalling when I uh, gave my life to Christ uh, at 13 years old, uh, the, the, the dude that, that kind of walked me through the whole process had told me after I'd, I'd took in that step of faith that, um, you know, that you, you've just done the hardest thing that you'll ever have to do in your life. And it won't get any easier, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and I think I understood what he said, but it really sometimes just doesn't hit home until it, until, you know, you, ex- you experience that, that fight that it really is, fighting the desires of the flesh, those temptations over, you know, the desires of the spirit. So uh, I'd like to real quickly share two verses that I've been meditating on a lot recently, and that is 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which is, uh, no temptation has overcome you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But with that temptation, he will provide a way of escape so that you may endure it. Also, Romans 8, 5, uh, which says, uh, for to set the mind on the things of the, uh, or to live according to the flesh, uh, you will set your mind on the things of the flesh, but to those living according to the spirit will set their minds on the things of the spirit. Uh, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And uh, so I, I pray you guys would think about those words uh, and, uh, and fight that fight. So that's all I really have to say. Good morning. I'm Josh. Uh, my wife, Megan, and I have been coming here for about three months now, and uh, this is just a fantastic church to be a part of. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, and, you know, amazing pastors, uh, Lucius and the worship team, fantastic. Uh, you know, singing uh, rich biblical truths every week has is, is, is been so encouraging to us. Um, I just had, I had some notes here written down that I just want to share with you this morning. Um, while being raised in a Christian home, I said a salvation prayer at age seven. At age 14, I was baptized. I knew a lot about the Bible and the way that we know a lot about famous athletes and actors. Starting in high school and continuing in college, my lifestyle became indistinguishable from any other person, a far cry from the Christian I had professed to be. The problem I encountered growing up was that while I didn't know it at the time, um, I was focused more on a faith, uh, uh, more on a workspace faith. Don't consume alcohol, remain pure, don't swear. By my own power, I tried to accomplish these things. With every slip, the guilt built up, a perpetual cycle starting with sin, followed by shame and guilt, which led to repentance, only to repeat the cycle by sinning again. I prayed countless times for God to deliver me from my biggest struggles with sin. Yet my struggles, including but definitely not limited to impurity and drunkenness, eventually spiraled my life out of control. 
It was then that I was confronted with my depravity and inability to save myself. I was destroying my marriage along with my physical and mental health. God revealed to me at that time how impossible it was for me to wrangle control over my sin by myself. It took me reaching my lowest point to understand that salvation is a gift of God that comes to us by grace through faith in Jesus. And most importantly, it has nothing to do with how well I act. The important message I want to convey to you guys today is why I think many people who confess to be Christians feel powerless in their battle with sin. Realizing now what I got so wrong, I pray that my testimony, along with what God has revealed to me through his scriptures, uh, can help at least one person who feels a strong bondage of sin. Um, I want to read Colossians 3, 1 through 6, and uh, discuss a couple quick points. Uh, this passage has had a profound impact on me in, in clarifying uh, how to defeat these strongholds of sin. Colossians 3, 1 through 6. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. The first thing from this passage to understand as Christians is that our life is now united with Christ. Um, it's not our own anymore. The passage gives us various examples. In verse 1 it says, You have been raised with Christ. In verse 3, For you have died and your life is hidden in Christ. In verse 4, Christ who is your life. As a follower of Jesus, I now find myself belonging to Christ, or my, I find my life belonging to Christ and not myself. This unity of life with Christ brings on a new purpose, which is striving to imitate him. Secondly, if uh, our lives are now tied to Christ, how are we to learn to carry ourselves in a manner similar to Jesus? Returning to the passage in verse 1, it says, Seek the things that are above where Christ is. And again in verse 2, set your minds on the things that are above, not set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. As a follower of Christ, we are now to focus our desires or passions on heavenly things. Practically, what does this look like in our lives? For me so far in my life, it's meant giving, um, instead of giving into the sinful desires of my old life, um, I'm now to focus on studying my, day, my Bible daily, increasing my prayer life with the Father, uh, regularly attending and participating in a Bible-believing church like New King, um, and surrounding ourselves with other Christians who can keep us accountable in our relationship with Jesus. These are just a few examples of the ways that you or I can set our pursuits towards growing more like Christ. Uh, lastly, um, as a Christian, we have to understand that we do not overcome sin by ourselves. Verse 5 states, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. The big mistake I made, and I think a lot of Christians get wrong, is that we start in verse 5 instead of verse 1. 
I was trying to put my sin to death before feeling adequate to approach God. The problem with this thinking is that it does not allow for God's grace. We are saved while we're still sinners. We are not saved once we reach a certain level of less sinning. Trying to pursue God in this fashion is faulty because every sin adds up and drives a wedge further distancing the Christian from God. This means on a really bad day, our sins will drive us away from God instead of grace drawing us nearer to God. Part of the unmerited grace of God is that at the conversion of a Christian, we have the heavenly gift of the Holy Spirit. The power provided by the Holy Spirit resides in us and allows us to redirect our desires away from sinful things leading to destruction and to turn our desires to heavenly things that bring life. We will never be perfectly victorious over sin until we enter into heaven, but we can overcome sin as we are transformed in our spiritual walk, becoming more and more like Christ. Thanks. Hi, um, my name is Charlotte, for those of you who don't know me. Um, I grew up in Vermont in like the Burlington and Essex area, and I wasn't saved when I lived here. I became a Christian when I went to college in North Carolina, um, and I kind of have always been like, God, like anywhere but Vermont, I don't want to go back there. Um, kind of stiff arming him in a lot of ways, and the Lord brought me back here last December, and I was just really fearful of it because I'm like, this is a place that holds a lot of memories of my past, of who I once was, walking the ways of this world, and a lot of people that knew me um, when I was in my sin. And so I was just really fearful. I'm like, God, you're going to have to really humble me and redeem this place for me because, like, in my sin, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go out and share the gospel with people that know me really well. Um, so the Lord's just been doing that in my life um, here. And um, one of the ways is I've been um, the assistant coach of the cross-country team I used to run for. Um, same coach, um, same like kind of dynamics, the same place, the same track. And it was really hard going back because I was like, wow, this is just bringing back a lot of memories of who I once was. But God just kind of encouraged me to be like, you're a new creation, like go forth. Um, and yeah, it was pretty hard because... Um, I just felt this internal tension of, like, I want to share Christ with these people, but I also want them to like me. And, like, God, can I have both? And he was just like, no, Charlotte. <laughs> like, that's not what it means to die to yourself and to self-preservation. Like, that's not what I've called you to. Um, and so that kind of was happening when I was, like, thinking about sharing my faith with some of the girls. And I also was like, I just, like, had this um, sinful desire to present the gospel in a way that made it seem like I was a smart, intelligent, um, sane person that came to the decision to follow Jesus. And God, again, humbled me in that and was like, no, like, that's not the gospel. Like, the gospel is like, I came to you in your sin, like, nothing on your own account. Did you come to me? Like, I pursued you first and gave you the gift of salvation. So why would you try to present anything other than that? So, I was like, okay, so I forgot to mention this in the first service, but I started to share a little bit more about my faith in Jesus with the head coach who had known me before um, I came to Christ. And I kind of noticed after that, she like didn't really want to talk to me as much and kind of was like interested in talking to other people. And it was kind of like hard. I was like, oh gosh, like I feel like she doesn't like me anymore. And I was kind of feeling discouraged about it, but the Lord um, brought me to Matthew 10, 24, which says, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. And um, just kind of reminding me of, like, consider Jesus. Like, this isn't about you anymore, Charlotte. Like, 
who is Jesus and what did he do for you that like you are not greater than him? And so then he also brought me to 1 Peter 2 verses 21 through 24 that say, For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. And um, the Lord also used Isaiah 53 a lot about kind of just um, how much Christ was rejected when he came to his own people, how much he suffered for us, and um, that he was the perfect sacrifice, like obedient to death on the cross for our sin, and that he's left us an example to follow when we face suffering and rejection, which, going back to the Matthew verse, that's what he tells his disciples to expect, that they won't be greater than him if he experienced that, so will we. And so I think kind of in that, I um, just realized that um, yeah, as, as a follower of Christ, I need to walk in these steps of his suffering, um, but that I'm not left without encouragement, as uh, Hebrews 12, 3 says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted, and just thinking about how Jesus, like, has paved the way ahead of us, like, he's the one that has endured the most suffering. Anything that I've experienced as rejection is, like, a fragment compared to what he's experienced for us. And so, like, because of who he is and what he's already done, like, we can walk following him and that that doesn't, we don't grow weary or faint-hearted because of that. In sharing our faith to people that may have known us for, like, 20 years, um, that can be really hard, but... Um, knowing that Christ has called us to that and that, you know, when we share in his suffering, that kind of cultivates a further intimacy with our Savior, with our Christ. We know him more. We love him more. We're more thankful for, like, what he's done for us, um, what he's endured for our sake. And, um, yeah, I was just thinking a lot about Ben's sermon last week about the narrow path being within the broad path. And, God, um, I used to be on the broad path here in Vermont with all these people that I, you know, used to be like, oh, you're crazy for following Jesus. And now, God has had me on the narrow path um, in this broad place where I used to um, be against him. And I'm just trusting that he's going before me and he's coming alongside me. And he's just really used this church in so many ways to encourage me to do that and um, to just build us up in faith. So I'm just excited to see what God's going to continue to do through this church. Thanks. Hey, good morning. Uh, my name is Michael Badger, and this is my wife, Kayla, and our little baby boy, Rowan. Uh, he's super adorable, takes after his mom, praise God. Um, but uh, we moved up here not that long ago with, uh, with two other families, actually, from West Tennessee to a church plant to start a new church in St. Albans. And so Ben asked us to give you our testimony as to how God called us here, and to be completely honest with you, our testimony is, is kind of a story of God graciously and very patiently teaching us obedience and uh, what that uh, obedience of faith that Acts talks about actually looks like in our lives. And 
Um, again, being honest with you guys, Vermont was not on our radar whatsoever. We barely knew where Vermont was on the map and all these different things. And, um, and we thought originally that God was calling us to Europe to church plant. We actually lived there for a couple of years, uh, for a few years. Um, working in church plants in Germany and in Ireland. Uh, we even went to a uh, church planting school that taught us how to specifically plant churches in a European context. And so we were, we were all in in Europe. And, uh, um, and it was as, as exciting as that sounds and as, as wonderful as, as it was, it was also one of the most difficult things we've ever had to do. Um, that was one of the first lessons, I think, that God uh, taught us in obedience. And we looked at passages like Luke 14, where Jesus was saying, in order to follow him, we must be willing to pick up our crosses uh, and bear them. And we had to be willing to lay things at Jesus' feet in order to follow the calling that he had for our lives. And so some of those things were uh, Kayla giving up a, a teaching career, uh, us giving up being near our parents and uh, being near our, uh, our best friends, my best friends from high school who, uh, who I deeply loved and, and were instrumental in calling me into the ministry to, to begin with. Um, and so it was, it was a, a painful process and a painful lesson of obedience, but, um, but God quickly showed us that, that it was worth it, and God blessed our time there. Um, we were able to work with incredible church plants and wonderful ministries that uh, shared the gospel, uh, and things were going great, and uh, we loved it, and we, uh, we were convinced that this is where we were going to be. This is where we're going to do ministry, and so we started laying out all these plans for our own lives, and uh, we were going to do ministry here, and then we were going to church plant here, and we are going to live in Ireland, and it was going to be amazing, and we are going to pick up Irish accents, which Kayla actually kind of did. You should ask her about it later. But, uh, and, uh, and it was fantastic. Um, but then Kayla is going to share with you a little bit about what happened uh, after that. Yeah, um, so we ran into some difficulty uh, with ministry. Nothing was wrong with the ministry. We just weren't able to solidify positions in a couple different ministries that we had pursued. And then um, then our visas were not going to be... It was a very difficult process to get those renewed. And so we were really frustrated. I was frustrated and we're like, God, we're doing this stuff for you. Why are you making this so hard? Don't you know what our plans are? And... Um, God's really gentle sometimes, sometimes not so much, but I feel like he's very gentle when he convicts us of sins a lot. And um, God was just saying, whose plans are these? And um, really use that to make us realize, no, we're supposed to go back to the States, which was like, what? No, then we're failures. So we had to go over this again. Like, whose plan is this? Whose success is this? Is it yours or is it mine? And that's um, what God was asking us. And so we uh, surrendered that to him. We moved back to the States to a place where we did not ever plan on moving back to in ugly West Tennessee. And, um, and we went back, and God has been just transforming our hearts. And um, in the Psalms, it says, return to me the joy of your salvation, and I will declare your goodness um, to the lost. And uh, God just really did that for for me, especially, um, return the joy of his salvation. And he's continuing to do that and showing us what it looks like to serve him and to obey him and to follow his plan, not our own, because... Um, that is what we had been doing. And that's what led us here in a big, crazy story that we don't have time for. But um, and God's faithful, and 
it just taught us that we need to do his work, not our work. So. Well, uh, I know I am so encouraged hearing all these stories. And the thing that keeps coming to mind for me is what an awesome family we get to be a part of. And New King Church is just a part of the family, right? I mean, God's got this global family, this entire global family of people that He is that He has adopted into His family by His grace, has canceled the record of their debt that was against them. He has given them a new heart and a new spirit, and He's working in their lives. And we get to experience that in the context of New King Church right here. And we get to experience with, with real people, with, with real people who have real stories of God at work in them and through them. And we today, we got just this tiny little sliver glimpse of what God is doing in this church. And wasn't that so encouraging to hear? Um, I was thinking in between the first and second service, I was thinking about this passage in Ephesians chapter 3. And so God created, He created not only human beings, but He, he also created these angelic beings, these spiritual beings. These, and the Bible refers to them as rulers and authorities. Um, and so we don't know a ton about them. We don't, we don't know all about them, but we just know there was a fall that happened with some of these spiritual beings. Um, and that is the domain of darkness is led by these spiritual entities that rebelled against God. It's not a new lesson. I'm not going into a, another sermon here, sorry. But just to set the stage, these rulers and these authorities that, that rebelled, that fell, that are over, that have, a, they have some, some sort of rulership, power. Satan is called the lowercase g, God of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air. They are watching world history unfold. They're watching your life unfold and my life unfold. And they're watching New King Church. And let me just read to you what Paul says in Ephesians 3. It says, this gospel, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is partly what God wants to do with the church. He wants to put on display for the rulers and the authorities, these powerful spiritual beings that have rebelled against God. He wants to put His manifold wisdom on display through our lives. Not an individual life, but a collective of lives, a family of lives. The Bible also talks elsewhere about how the church is like living stones being built together for this holy habitation of the Spirit of God to indwell. Jesus Christ, the, the, the cornerstone of this building, 
the apostles, the, the foundation of this building. And then we are these living stones that we, when we come together, when we live our lives together, we're like this, this living building. That's what I kept thinking about as, as I just sat through these testimonies. We are on display. Our lives matter for the glory of God. And it matters that we tell our testimony. And it encourages one another. That's why the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. We need each other. We need to hear these stories. We need to be reminded, I'm not in this alone. There's a whole family of people that are in this with me, that are walking this with me. And if I pull myself out of that living building and try and go do it on my own, that's my own fault. But God has given me this this place, this family to belong in where the Spirit is at work in so many people's lives. It's not, just, it's not just one pastor, two pastors. It's not just a couple people up front. This is an entire family of people the Spirit of God is in. A living building that the Spirit of God inhabits to put on display to the spiritual forces of evil in this present darkness, the manifold wisdom of God. Do you want to be a part of this family? Well, here's what, here's what that requires. It requires that you lay down your life and follow Him. Simply put, there are many times where Jesus presents the truth in such, such harsh terms that people just turn around and walk away. He said, you know what, count the cost. Before you, before you come follow me. And I would just say this. If you want in to the family of God, there is no better place to be in the world. No better place. And yet, it is a narrow, hard road. Go back and listen to the sermon from last week. It is a narrow, hard road going against the flow of the culture and the world. It is not easy, but it is glorious. And you will see God at work in your life, and you will have people at work around you, the Holy Spirit working through them to lift you up, to pick you up, to drag you along in this life so that you can make it. If you want in, then the Bible says we can come to know Him through faith. Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth, lived a perfect and sinless life, and then He went and died on a cross in our place for our sins so that we could be forgiven. Every single one of us who shared this morning, every single person that shared, we're all broken people. We're all still sinners. We all still fail. But the grace of God has been extended to us through the person of Jesus Christ because He died for our sins so that we could live a new kind of life. We still stumble and we still fall, but we have a new kind of life inside of us. And if you want that and you don't have that, then it requires that you lay down your life, that you walk away from your old life of sin and rebellion against God, and you turn to Jesus in faith and you follow Him. That's what it requires. And if you do that, the Bible says that by grace, you'll be saved through faith, through faith in what Jesus did. Jesus 
died on this cross, paying the penalty for our sins. He was buried in a tomb, and on the third day, he came back to life, and he walked out. Not a spirit, not a ghost, a physical, bodily resurrection. He defeated sin and death. To declare to everyone, if you will believe in me and trust me, you can have new life. Pray with me. Father, God, I know in a room of of people this size, there are some who uh, know you and others that don't know you yet. And Lord, I pray that you you would just be at work in hearts and lives to draw people to yourself. God, that these stories, these testimonies, simple as they may be, can be the first domino to fall. Just like those who heard the woman at the well's testimony, I found a man who told me everything I've ever done. And that testimony led them to Jesus. I pray that the testimonies that have been shared today would lead people to Jesus. That, Lord, when, when people leave here today, that they would, they would think one thing, I have got to know Jesus better. I need to know him more. I want more of his work in my life. And I want to be a part of a family like that. God, thank you for this family. Thank you that you don't call us and leave us out in the world alone, but that you invite us into your family. We have brothers and sisters to walk alongside us on this narrow road. Thank you for that. Thank you for the gospel that makes us approved, that makes us loved, adopted, so that we can walk away from the sins that we once were enslaved by. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would would set people free this morning. I pray that if there's any person in this room this morning that wants freedom, that they would come and speak with me or speak with Lucius or speak with someone about about that. Holy Spirit, we want to just give you room to work here. This is your church, your family, your time. We came here to worship you, to lift up your name. So we ask that you would have the freedom to work in our lives, God. Help us to be submitted to you, open to you, open to your leadership and what you would say to us. In Jesus' name, amen.